You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And with me this week is Liston Mainchies, who's an independent financial market and economic analyst or economy analyst. And he's speaking to us from Johannesburg. And we're going to talk, first of all, about the U.S. jobs data, Liston. And I can tell you something. Where do they find, where is this economy finding 266,000 new jobs? What a story. Well done. I mean, I have to say, this is an amazing number. Absolutely, if you believe it. I think it's fake news. And I'll try (laughs) to validate my case as we go along. Please validate Uh, it now. I'll I'll just read you a, a, a couple of bits. This one actually comes from Reuters. And the first thing I think that is important in relation to the jobs is that manufacturing activity contracted for the fourth straight month in November. Right. Ah, the economy created 41,000 more jobs in September and October than was previously announced. Okay. Ah, The 40-day strike by about 46,000 workers at GM plants in Michigan and Kentucky stopped and they came back in the workforce. That's fantastic, isn't it? So where you measure from, where you go to, it's all a mystery. But so, you know, it's wonderful. There's another story here. It says employment growth was boosted by a gain of 60,200 healthcare workers. Oh, yeah. That is an incredible number. I don't ever recall reading that sentence before. So let's look at the numbers because they do publish them. And you must have heard this. I think we've been on air, uh, Lindsay, just 10 years. At least. So probably for a, a, at least 100 of those 120 months, you would have heard the same story from me. Yes. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> uh, the numbers, I mean, I'm a, a fairly mathematical, and I just can never, ever get where they get the numbers from. So this is the table they have published, okay? Mm-hmm. So the number employed in November in America is 158,945,000. What's that? What, what number is that? October, Sorry. 158,945. Yes, what, is, what is that measuring? Sorry, you said 158 that's million. That's the number, mm-hmm. the number employed. Okay. And that's their number, right. 158,945. In October, it was 159,067. Yes. Do my eyes deceive me and tell me there's, there's actually fewer people employed, although 266,000 new jobs were created. I don't believe my eyes. I, I can't believe the table. You think there's something fishy going on here? Well, what else can I say? Let's, let's take it a little further down. It's the same table. Uh, in, in men 20 years and over, the, the number employed is now 81,464 as opposed to 81,433. Okay, so there were 31,000 more employed men aged over 20. Golly, well, that's 31. It's not 266, you know. And then we go to women 20 years and over, and we get uh, an interesting story yet again in that it is now 72,426 compared to 72,584, which is only another 160 less. My goodness me. How do you get to 266 from those numbers? The mystery never ceases to amaze me. And then we go back to my favorite bugbear, 
where they say, oh, but it's all in the, it's, if it's uh, uh, seasonally adjusted. Now, I know there are more Santa Clauses walking the floors of the malls in America somewhere in December. But what I don't know is whether they started work and became employed learning the trade early in November so they fitted into these numbers. You don't really have to learn the trade. What you do is you put on a red suit and say ho, ho, ho to a bunch of kids and give them a box of chocolates. You get my point. I just do not understand it. And as for 60,000 health workers, I just wonder if they had an epidemic of measles and they'd dragooned a whole lot of people into giving This Listen to me, you're getting cynical in your old age, Menchies. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the end of a week of... Of note, let's call it that. Let's call it that. Non-farm payrolls, uh, lest we forget, surged by 266,000 in November, better than the 187,000 expected by economists polled by Dow Jones. The unemployment rate ticked down in the United States of America to 3.5% from 3.6%, back to the 2019 low and matching the lowest jobless rate since 1969. We'll see some tweets about that later on from a certain person, I'm sure. The end of the GM strike, that's General Motors, had a big effect, boosting employment in motor vehicles and parts by 41,300, part of an overall 54,000 gain in manufacturing. Average hourly earnings rose by 3.1% from a year ago, slightly above the 3% expected by economists polled by Dow Jones. What's the inflation rate in the States, Liston? Do you know roughly? Two and a bit? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it it, it is still below the two level. Mm. Uh, On an annual rate, it might have just gone above two. But they're not concerned, you know, in whether it's anywhere near to. That doesn't seem to doesn't seem to hurt, and they've recognised as well that that comes, you know, from an oil price which changes on a daily basis, and you really have to depend on, uh, you know, whether the the shale is uh, is running or is not running, and whether or not, you know, there's going to be a, a trade war. Uh, you, you know, we're perennially, perennially at the at the mercy of these what I could call wild swings in relation to relatively tame news. And the market wants to go up because in certain circumstances, if the market wanted to go down, it would say, oh, well, this number is amazing. So therefore, they're going to raise interest rates or stop cutting interest rates. So the S&P would come down. But what they're saying is because the market wants to go up because there's so much money being pumped into the system by the Fed, they say, well, the economy is doing so well. So that's good for companies. Therefore, the S&P future is currently up another 0.6% to very close to all time record highs. What a world we live in. Well, no, well, correct. But again, it, it's not the market. It is the market participants. And I hate to say it, and it may even affect the, the way I think, although I hope not. Yes. And that is, we have become incredibly trend following. Some of this is algorithmic based uh, uh, trading, where an algorithm will pick up a trend heading upwards, and it will hug that, that trend. It will then tell people to buy, which will make other people get the signal, which makes them buy, which will give another people the signal, which were, what am I saying? You know, this surely is not how investments are truly made. But in the short run, and we know that is, uh, you know, what, what sets the prices on a daily basis, uh, for sure it is, you know, yesterday's news, today's news and anticipated this and, and away we go. But you're quite right. I mean, the root cause, without a doubt, was flooding the world with money. Mm. And it had to cause inflation, which it did in asset prices, but not in foodstuffs and not in in a number of other commodities and certainly not in wages. So 
<laughs> the purpose of the of the exercise uh, has been achieved in the sense that there are some benefits, whether attributable to Ben Bernanke, Janet Yellen, uh, and and anybody else, rather than Trump. I would be the first to say. I said ages back when Janet Yellen was still at the helm, I said, why is she being so slow? She said she would raise rates when unemployment got to five and a half. It's now three and a half, and they're thinking of lowering them. Mm. Uh, The world has gone kind of crazy. I think it's a bit of a mafia story here. There is a political (laughs) mafia story going on in various countries (laughs) in the world, starting with the one that has the world's largest economy. He's a mafia boss. He's not a politician. And he tells people what to do. Otherwise, they get a concrete overcoat, metaphorically speaking. Well, I get stuff from David Stockman, who used to be the uh, Mm. head of the... National. Uh, he was the economic advisor to Ronald Reagan, and I speak to him occasionally as well. He's a good chap. Yeah, but he keeps making these points. He says they don't understand the fundamentals of economics, and there will be a payday. But my point is you can never call that top unless you've seen it, <laughs> and I don't think we've seen it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of problem that we've got. The wealth effect, though, is not trickling down. I saw a headline today says two-thirds of Americans have not benefited or do not believe that they have benefited from the rise in Wall Street. But two-thirds of these people voted for Donald Trump. That's the, that's the scary well, my thing, question, or nearly. Mm. Yeah, my, my question there, Lindsay, is what would make a person who supported Trump last time around change his mind? And I can't think of one thing. There's no reason because there's no competition. Say, well, okay, mm. you've always you've always got that middle, uh, you know, uncertain uh, swing vote. And who are you putting in opposition to to Trump? Somebody older than him. Golly, I'm not sure this is going to go well if you are, a, are not a Trump supporter. Trump supporters will love it. Let's move to South Africa now. Go, let's go from the sublime, i.e. the US economy, which is in, I know it's in automatic. It just keeps on going and going and going, according to the statisticians. And let's go to the ridiculous now, which is the South African economy, which... I don't know what's going on, but there's there's no GDP growth. Inflation is plunging. It's gone from what? Nearly 6% down to close to 3.5%. And no economic growth. Oh, there, there are so many different metrics and semantics that we need not go into at the moment, but we're in, we're in trouble here, Liston. Well, again, I think we've covered this a number of times. It would appear by, you know, standard economic logic thought and central bank previous policies that when your economy is in trouble, you drop interest rates. Hmm. The only time you don't is when inflation is rising. Unfortunately, they don't know that rule or that rule book or it has been handed or put on a bonfire. So why does everybody say that they're so, why does everybody say that the South African Reserve Bank is so revered? I mean, we've got Inflation coming under pressure. We've got economic growth zero, possibly minus for the next two or three quarters. Unemployment rates at record highs, close to 30% officially. And yet the rule book has been thrown out the window and they don't cut rates. For goodness sake, cut rates. The RAND will benefit in the long term from cutting rates. Well, again, it, it all depends who is, who is setting policy and on what basis. But we do know and uh, this is always also true for central banks and finance ministers, is that fiscal policy and uh, monetary policy need to be in sync. 
Now, unfortunately, we have very loose fiscal policy. I mean, in fact, I'm saying it's disastrous. You know, they're uh, pushing up uh, tax rates here and there, getting lower receipts, therefore having to push up extra rates because they're not getting any growth. Uh, honestly, we could go into this in, in, in great detail. But the essence of it is there is, in my opinion, no cohesive policy or understanding. And if it is the fact that it's the ratings agencies we must keep happy, I say get over it, chaps. We are being priced for junk already. In mm. fact, some of our rates are higher than companies two notches lower than us on the rating scale. But I, I put the cause much, much further down. And I think it is much more important that people get this message. Just before you go on, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, I speak no, no. to economists from large investment houses, uh, large financial institutions, and every time I speak to them, despite the fact that I can hear a little something in the, in, in the background, they all say, and we'll know the South African Reserve Bank is, a, is an austere institution, and it's one of the pillars of strength in an otherwise haphazard South African economy and uh, administration of economy, if you see what I mean. It's almost as though they're saying, we have to say this because this is the right thing to say. I will say this right now. I think the Reserve Bank is overly cautious. I think it should be cutting rates. And I think it's doing us a disservice. That is my thing. And I think that when these people say that they, they're absolutely right to keep rates on hold, they're talking through their hats. Well, again, uh, get hold of Brian Cantor. He is absolutely livid that they do not cut rates and they do not see that it's needed. Uh, certainly Raymond Parsons, uh, I think last week, was saying that's what we need and it's indescribable that the rec recognition of the need is not there. So certainly uh, there are a body of us saying these things and in public and out loud. So mm. if the public doesn't hear it, well, they, you know, I, I can't do much about it. But what I was saying is my, yes. my assessment of the problem is that as a country and a developing country, we have a balance of payments deficit. Now, I don't care whether you're a household, a company or a country. Mm. If money is flowing out of your pockets and you can't get money from your bank, how are you going to survive? So the simple truth is that we have to encourage foreigners to bring their money in. And so far, the only acceptable way has been what we call the carry trade, by us having ridiculously high interest rates relative to other places, mm. even allowing for all the risks, political and, and, and other. Uh, uh, but the, the point I try to make to government at every stage is you must encourage foreign investors. I produce, as you know, a daily uh, report. Yes. And I often read, you know, situations. And each time I think it couldn't happen here. And it, it honestly doesn't matter whether it's Indonesia cutting rates because of the poor growth. They've got growth, which is slowing. So they're cutting rates because of it. We haven't got any growth, no growth. and we won't cut. So again, it, it really comes down to the, down to the fact that it would appear that the ratings agency are calling the shots. They are the ones who have said in a, 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 a very strange environment 
there are a couple of institutions that have stood proud. The Reserve Bank is one and the judiciary is another. Mm. Yeah, which is and good. I think they also go as far as to say that the media have, uh, have played a good part. Uh, but they are fairly scathing about other aspects of our economy, as you know. I don't like Donald Trump because, uh, not because he's, he's an, an, an unpleasant fellow. He's just, well, actually he is. He's a liar. He's a cheat. And he has a poor vocabulary and he ha and, he's, and he's stupid. You can see that from the way he conducts himself. But on the other hand, he's done one thing that was quite clever in my eyes. And that said, can we buy Greenland? Okay. <laughs> he wanted to buy Greenland and people poo-pooed him. But I think it's a really, really good idea. And I think that if countries were traded like uh, companies are, in other words, mergers and acquisitions of countries, that would be a very good thing. And I think if anybody looked at South Africa, they would say, this is an amazing bargain. It's got platinum group metals. It's got a monopoly. It's got a, a lot of gold. Okay. Uh, it's difficult to get out because it's so deep. It's got an abundance an abundance of beauty. It can create more solar power than any other country in the world. It's got waves, it's got wind, it's got a lot of people unemployed and relatively cheap labour. And I can take this country and make it into something. And I think that the South African government, as I've said before, and people call me a socialist, actually two people called me a socialist in the last couple of days, which I found offensive. I would say, let's go to the IMF or to the World Bank and say, we want 100 billion US dollars. You can have 20 to 30% of our future GDP growth, uh, the, the, the money. I don't know how they'd work it out. You, you'll probably know better than I would. And let's just get on with it. Lend us the money and you can take a stake in it. Let's make a capitalist situation out of one that is deemed to be socialist. That is the solution. It's very simple, Liston. I've, I've, oh, worked, oh, yeah, I've worked yeah. it out. But, <laughs> uh, let, let's just cover that quickly, but I know we've got a lot of ground to cover and I'm not sure how much time. Loads of time. But the IMF, uh, you are entitled as a member of the IMF to go to them and ask for money with repayment terms. If, however, you want to exceed the amount that you have with them, in other words, you're just getting your money back, but you're still going to have to refill the, the till. Yes. But if you want to go above that, then they say, now, wait a minute. Now we will tell you how you conduct your business. Okay. Or, no, in fact, sorry, the middle step is they, you, they say, when we, we want to see your budget. We want to actually have a hand in it. We, but it's still your budget. But if you go just one step further, then they make the, all the calls. They say, your budget is going to do this. This is what you're going to have to do. Now, whether we, unknown to us, are already in that state, and hence, you know, Tito Boweni is unable to put more money into SAA. Whether that's an ANC policy, whether where that all comes from, I don't know. But the situation is playing out pretty well in that way. And I think let's just, you know, uh, work our way into the SAA story. Uh, this has been a long time in the making. You're going to talk about but, SAA uh, now. In that yeah. case, you carry on talking, and I'm going to go to my fridge and get a beer because it's a, a Friday afternoon. But carry on talking, <laughs> Liston, because I've done two or three interviews. <laughs> just no, but the story open it on air. No, so the story for me is that SAA is a very creditable airline, and I have a friend who has just retired, being uh, with SAA for uh, I think it is 40 years or close to that. And he says, you know, the, operationally, it is one of the best airlines in the world, both from maintenance, from flights on time, 
yes. uh, from accident-free. You know, you can put all kinds of metrics in, and it is an outstanding airline. It really the is. The problem is it's, it's world-class, in fact. Well, the point of, we go on to is that they are running inefficient routes for political reasons. So it is therefore not a commercial enterprise. It is a something else. And uh, finally, the, 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 the item has dawned. But if you go back to Tito Mboweni's budget in February of this year, yes. he actually said words to the effect that I don't see why we need an airline. So it, the writing was on the wall then. And with all the relooks at how on earth are we going to work our way out of this mess, one was to say, stop digging. When you're in a hole, stop digging. <laughs> and the assets of the airline will be there. The planes will be there. The ground staff trained will be there. The maintenance crews will still be there. All sorts of things will still be on the ground. It will simply not be owned by the current shareholders. And yes. Do you think it should be sold off? Do you think it should be sold excited. off to a minority shareholder or to majority shareholder or lock stock the lot sold to somebody? Well, I don't know who would go into a minority agreement with the government. We've got mm. people in the minority with AXA and they are mighty upset that it has not been as well done and run as they would like it to be. So to try to say to somebody, come in and be my, be my uh, uh, lackey and I'll just run this thing into the ground with your money, I don't think that will fly. <laughs> this is one of the big points I also Pardon try to pain. make to government. I say to them, think like a businessman. Mm. Will he do what you want him to do on the, your terms? Because believe me, he's out to make a profit. And if you stop him making that profit, he will go somewhere else. I can see Cecil migrating to the United States as headquarters in the next 15 years. The uh, coal mines will be out of, of, of operation. Um, all sorts of things will, will happen in, in, in this economy. And they'll say, it's 5% of our profits. Dump it. Sell it to whoever. Mm. We'll, we'll carry on making money in America. That's how business people think. And by the way, they actually have a duty to think like that on behalf of the shareholders who provided the money to put the manufacturing operations in place in the first place. Yeah. So that's my, my rent on, on, on SAA. Very good. And this is my beer. Made. This is my beer opening now, by the way. And the first on-air beer opening because it's a Friday afternoon. It's my show, so I can ah. do it. Hold on. Here we go. Oh, all good. So delicious. Smells delicious. Mm. So, okay, <laughs> next rum. No, no, the, the only, only way out for SAA, and it's not my idea. This was Jeremy Sampson last night. He said, look, nobody will buy a ticket because you don't know if there'll be a plane to fly on. Mm. Or one the that's only uh, way they uh, can airworthy. And keep operating and sell tickets is to run uh, uh, taxis, air taxis. When the plane is full, it leaves. Mm. You want to go to Cape Town? The Cape Town plane's over there. We've got three more seats. When it's done, <laughs> boom, down goes the boom, off goes the plane. I'm sorry, but that's. <laughs> we don't need a national airline. Plane. We don't. We know we don't need a national airline. <laughs> it's a lovely thing, and, and and used to be that orange flag with the Springbok on it and everything. It was. It, it, it's, as you quite rightly say, it's a fantastic airline. It's just been mismanaged horribly. 
inefficient, overstaffed, etc. Uh, listen, let's, we, we've done the GDP story. We haven't spoken about PMI, but that's all to do with GDP. Well, no, we, we didn't really handle GDP because, right. again, I can't for the life of me understand why people were surprised that it was negative. Uh, just about every sentence and second sentence coming through and from companies, their volumes are down, their uh, 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 profits are down, uh, workers are being laid off. The story is horrible. If that sounds like a growing economy, I don't know. But of course, in in terms of per head of population, it is nothing short of shocking. Mm. It is. It really is shocking. But we need not go into that because I've done it for a couple of days now. And I, I find it actually a little bit distressing, the, the lack of activity to boost GDP growth, to boost the economy, to boost jobs, to boost uh, people's well-being in, in, in this country, which, as I've said throughout this interview, this country has so much potential and possibilities. What about company results, Liston? We're at the end of the earnings season now. What have you seen over the last three to four weeks? Well, no, I think, I think we've got to have another, uh, another governmental hand in it where they turn to the telecommunications companies yes. and say, you have, to, you have to produce your goods at a lower cost. We absolutely demand that you do. Now, there are arguments for and against, and of course this was taken on advice from a number of leading experts, none of which, of which I am not one. But what I will say is, and it's very, very interesting, I thought, is that some friends of ours who emigrated to Australia came back and they decided to climb the Drakensberg. And from the top, they took pictures and then they uh, phoned their friends in Australia yes. to tell them where they were. And uh, the signal worked perfectly. And they were absolutely astounded because in uh, Australia, once you've left the uh, metropolitans, the chances that you'll get a signal are very poor. The cost is low because you're not getting any signal in the, <laughs> in the outlying areas. You haven't got to cover the entire country. So I, I just think there's a little bit of unfairness in all of this. We have got enough competition in it. We have got people playing in that space who are losing money hand over fist. And now you say to the ones who are making money, we insist that you stop doing so. So you don't think, um, that, you don't think sure that we're, being, we're being overcharged? Because if you go to Europe, if you go to, I don't know about the United States because I haven't been there for a while. If you go to Australia, do you not think that even on a currency adjusted basis we are being charged too much for our data and our voice calls heaven forbid that people make voice calls anymore but some people do you don't think that we're overcharged um <laughs> what i'm saying is our rates are higher uh, we but you're dealing with economies of scale in many of those other places uh, the likes of which we don't have um so i would be very surprised if you could say that they were making exorbitant, uh, excessive profits. Now, that's not the message you're getting from either MTN or uh, uh, Vodacom and even Telcom. So, you know, to say you must reduce the costs, you're just basically saying we're deciding you must must go under the same as SAA, uh, the same as ESCOM. We set the price of your electricity. If you make it at four times that price, bad luck, you're going under. Well, Great, we've got an electricity problem right now. Stage four load shedding, I'm told, for the weekend. We've covered uh, telecoms. You haven't told me whether you want to buy or sell uh, Vodacom or MTN or sell CBI <laughs> I know, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch them while, while this spat is on. Oh, you know. never know how bad things can be. Um, so what do you so like at the again, moment? 
oh, what do I like at the moment? Mm. <laughs> there are only a couple of growth stocks. And by growth, I mean their underlying businesses are appealing to more customers. Now, sometimes it is true that the customers become stressed, and sometimes it is true that they have to pay a lot to develop further uh, ways for clients to come uh, to, to meet them. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give any names. You know me, uh, uh, Lindsay. Lindsay. The reason I say, no, the reason the reason I say that is that I, I am paid by clients to make these decisions and calls. I can't give them free to the the public. I can't. But I'm saying the key for me is find companies that have a tailwind, that the profits are growing, that the business they're in is sought after and uh, people are wanting to go there. It is true that in South Africa, there are very few. There are a few new trends in the world of which 5G is one that I think if people wake up one morning and say, I should have bought Facebook, you know, I I wonder why I didn't. And then go around and say, well, I know there's this thing called 5G, but I'll wait 20 years before I make up my mind. Um, You know, it's often a good time is to find a trend and hang on to it while it lasts. I'm not saying all trends last forever. They do not. Okay, so let me tell you something, Liston. Around about, around about, gosh, was it a year ago? Or Yeah, it was actually just over a year ago, 14 months ago. Uh, there was a share. I won't, I won't mention the name of the share, but it was 16 Rand or 16.50, something like that, on its knees. Implants. Oh. In parlor, oh, gotcha. Okay, all right. Well, that's because we've got a shrinking universe on the JSC, and you're you're very clever. That's clever good. That's it's good. 126 <laughs> rand a share. It's gone from 16 to 126. Absolutely. Would you buy it now because of the momentum that you've just spoken about? Well, again, you're coming to the party very late, and you have certainly missed the first patch. But there is a company that does have a tailwind in the commodity prices which generate their profits in dollars are rising. And they have established some degree of uh, control over the uh, uh, workforce uh, uh, wage bill over the next couple of years. So, again, your big play there, and that's it's not platinum. And uh, it's actually a combination of uh, palladium and rhodium. Yes. And it's actually rhodium that's doing incredibly well and uh, palladium doing uh, rather well as well. And the, the numbers that are currently in what we call the PGM basket are at an all-time high, uh, and that's in dollars. But if you bring it back, uh, you know, some of those shafts that were unprofitable have reached profitability. Some that were profitable are now super profitable. When I talk about a bank, I just can't ever see it getting a 40% margin. But if you talk to me about a a platinum mine getting a 40% margin or an 80% margin, it is possible. Liston, when are we going to do your 2020 views, your, your, your look forward to the new year? Because I know you're, you're collating all your data at the moment. <laughs> you tell me. Um, I'm happy enough. It should probably... It's a little bit early. It's only the 6th of December. Maybe we should wait a couple of weeks and you should tweak it a little bit. Well, I, I'm going to Hungary in, on the 16th of December. 
So it needs okay. to be before the 13th. Friday the 13th is fully booked already, so it would have to be either the Thursday or, or thereabouts. Just out of interest, I mean, this is your, your business. Why are you going to Hungary? My, my son married a Hungarian girl. They had oh, a baby yeah. in America four months ago. And so we're going back. Well, she's going back up. We're well, all in, in Budapest at the moment. And we're going there to uh, see them all. Very good. Listen, thank you so much for your insight. We'll speak to you before you go to Hungary and before I get hungry. And that was Liston Mainchies, who's an independent financial, economic and market analyst. And you can catch him at Liston at Liston.co.za. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with ShareNet.co.za. To receive Liston's charts and other exclusive content, go to strictlybusinesspodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and subscribe.